Jackson Swain touchdown. It's time for the Swain event with your host, Jason Swain. My man. Real sports talk for the real sports fan. All you chumps are going to bow when I whoop them. It's time for the Swain event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Give me two pounds and a red flag. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Hope you are having a great morning. 865-255-03 is our telephone number to the Irish Network's hotline. I am live here at Betty Chevrolet Parkside Drive, where over 150 vehicles are in stock. Lifetime warranty for most new and pre-owned vehicles. Never pay over MSRP for new vehicles here at Betty Chevrolet and BettyChevrolet.com. Betty will trade for anything and will even buy your vehicle. It's where I'll be for three hours today, maybe even longer, as I look over the lot and see what we can possibly take home. It's about time to expand more additions to the family, a dog, kids getting older, maybe time to expand. So maybe here, maybe be here a little bit longer than just 10 a.m. today. Uh, but Ben is live there at the Low T Center studio. Uh, my friend Ben, good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. I am doing well. Very blessed. Good weekend, other than the result of the football game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, I, I do want to offer my thoughts and prayers to VFL, Darrell Taylor. Scary injury last night in the Steelers-Seahawks game on Sunday Night Football. Just a really, really scary scene watching him carted off, not just carted off, but carted off on a backboard and had to have his head taped to the backboard. And just, a, a, again, a real scary situation. Saw Cam Sutton, his former teammate, looking on in, in grave concern and the whole Seahawks and, and Steelers looking on with a lot of concern and uh, was, was glad to see that he was able to move move his limbs and he was talking. And I, I have not seen an update since I, I went to bed. Last I heard, he was on his way to 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 the hospital to to the ER but was was able to move uh, his legs and, and and was speaking and and so those those are obviously good signs but just a a real unfortunate situation and not that it matters in this type of situation but man he was playing such great football after having to sit out last year with with a with a really bad leg injury that that happened here at Tennessee and rebounded well and was was playing great football. So thoughts and prayers to VFL Daryl Taylor this morning. Yeah, the latest I saw, um, I was up to about one o'clock, so I saw the report. NBC said that he was, you know, he had a feeling of, of all of his extremities, and you know, he was just, he was speaking, and so they're gonna uh, do all the the preliminary testing and all the testing just to make sure that. That he's okay, but uh, looks like he he is okay, and it was more precautionary uh, reasons of why they went ho- went on ahead and took him into the hospital and just made sure that he was okay. So it looks like he's going to be okay. And um, when something like that happens, man, the, the game of football is secondary, and the, the health of 
a young man is the most important thing. So uh, in this case, it's even more um, powerful, even more so the case because he's a VFL. So uh, me and my wife was in mid-sentence when, when he went down. I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, hold on. That's, that's Dale Taylor. So glad that he is going to be okay. Now, we got a, we got a packed show, obviously, right? Uh, a lot happened uh, during the weekend. A lot happened during the course of, of the football game, before the football game. And um, I want to make sure that in our first segment that we are able to um, both give ourselves time to lay out our points from the football game and we'll take phone calls in our second segment and you're always welcome to call 865-255-03 but our first segment we're going to um, make sure that we are um, getting our points across on what we saw during the game and before the game after the game and then we'll go to the phones I know a lot of people have uh, a lot of things on their mind on their chest on their heart and want to give you the opportunity uh, in the platform to be able to, to share that. Um, I got a chance to meet Big Orange Mac, Coy from Macon, a ton of Tennessee fans that support this show and have supported this show for 11 years. And I just want to tell you I appreciate you. It was good to meet you and look forward to seeing you again whether you are from outside Tennessee or from Tennessee that you drove in, I really appreciate you. I understand the, the sacrifices that many people make to come to games. The prices, the, the hotel prices were outrageous this weekend, and um, I appreciate the sacrifices made to get to this football game and support Tennessee. I really do. And I got a chance to, to learn that in the last decade and a half of not playing football and being able to have conversations with fans, and I've learned that. And so I just want to say I appreciate that. Um, I want to thank all the your fans for making Neyland St Stadium special. It was special. I was sitting there talking to Chris Brown during um, one of the breaks, the Big Orange Hotline on Vault Network, our pregame show that's an hour and a half before kickoff, and we were um, taking in the Vault Walk. We were taking in the, the band playing outside Neyland Stadium. And we were like, this is this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it once was, and this is what we're going to get back to. But this is the way it's supposed to be. And um, go inside the stadium, the atmosphere was amazing. The sight of checking Neyland was amazing. And um, Ben, I don't know if you remember, but we had a pretty detailed conversation about the experience, the fan experience, the atmosphere, and how you can chew bubblegum walk at the same time, and you can do both. You can win. You can try to win and put all your effort into winning the football game, and that's what the coaches and the players do each and every day in their preparation. But then you have an event staff. You have the leadership from the, the AD and um, his team that want to put together – a memorable moment to create some cool memories and you have a good time the outcome of the game 
If you're playing at 7.30, it's not going to come until 10, 30, 11 o'clock. So having fun up until the outcome is the goal. And I saw a lot of tweets from people talking about this is one of the funnest games that they, they've went to. They had a good time. The atmosphere was unreal. The intro um, onto the football field, running through the power tee with the lights off and the light shining on the, the, the power tee and on the band forming the tee. Ben, it was, it was unreal, man. It was breathtaking. It was. It, it was, and I was – thankful to have a bird's eye view of that mm. and I, I was totally unexpecting the the new details to running out of the tee with how the LED lights lit up the the tee and it, it just set for a really cool scene and, and the fireworks going off at at the same time I, I got a really cool photo of it that I did tweet out and I, I was just looking at it yesterday and still kind of taken back by how beautiful of a of, of a scene it was. Just, again, with the LED lights signing, shining specifically on the tee as the players were running out and, and all the other lights were, were out in the stadium or, or there was those dim orange lights on throughout the stadium that really made the stadium pop and, and the fireworks really, really, really added to, to the scene. It, it was just amazing. And Checker Neyland in the background um, – Pretty much every spot in the stadium full filled, except for that one spot in the upper deck that did fill in as as the first quarter kind of went along. Mm-hmm. It was just really cool. And as I said on Thursday, on Friday, good luck finding a better pregame scene in college football. Hard to find one, man. Hard to beat that. You know, I saw a photo of checking kneeling with the fireworks that, were put on the you know top of the, the stadium this year. Uh, I love that change, but there was a still shot, and it reminded me of the still shots we saw from the Battle of Bristol. Yes, and how amazing that that scene was. And um, man, in the studio there, I have a uh, panoramic view photo blown up on the wall. And I don't know, man. I might have to update it. I might have to change that one out because that view on Saturday night was was ten times ten times better than the than the photo I got on my wall. It was it, it's truly amazing. Um, but had a couple favorites, man. A couple favorites, and then we'll get into this football game um, parts of, of the day. So Thursday and Friday, I was out of town. Uh, it was fall break. I took my family out of town. And, man, they do so much to sacrifice for for me allowing me to do this do this show. Um, I broadcast out of the house. You know, a lot of times, you know, my schedule is something they have to adjust to and and you know, revolve around, and especially during football season. And so, um, it was it was about them during fall break. And so we went out of town and took them on like a little little vacay. And so did the show. Uh, Thursday and Friday, but I was I just wasn't in the studio with with Ben. Um, Saturday, I got up about four o'clock in the morning, packed up the car, and we drove back to Knoxville. No traffic, always beautiful. And um, the reason I want to get back so fast, even though the game was at seven thirty, is because you know, TC in Athens and DR Vol and 
you and a couple guys um, were meeting at Dead End Barbecue, and I want to get back and just just say hi, and um, so I was able to do that. That was my first favorite part of the day, um, and then I got a chance to bring my 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 three kids to the pregame. We tailgated a little bit. Uh, I got a chance to see Turkey Man and his stepson, Thomas, before they went into the game. I got a chance to see Santa Vall again, <laughs> uh, meet so many fans. And, and for me, that's, that, that, was just, that was just amazing. Um, during the broadcast there on Vall Network, Big Orange Hotline, John Wilkerson and Brent Hubs, Chris Brown this week, and myself, um, TC in Athens, who calls into this show, who's been a lifetime Tennessee fan. And TC and I, you know, talked um, on Friday about getting the creators of, of Check and Nealon, um, Tim McLeod and Spencer Barnett, to the game. And TC made it happen with, with Spencer. And during the Big Orange Hotline, uh, excuse me, Big Orange Countdown show, uh, Danny White joined us in the first segment, and we were able to introduce Danny White to Spencer Barnett, and I was able to share the story with Danny White about checking kneeling um, and the start of it and who was responsible, and that was special to me because I know how much Spencer cares about Tennessee, loves Tennessee, um, and checking kneeling is was, is his baby, Tim and, and Spencer's baby. And that was, that was special for me. Um, 11 years I've been doing this. Obviously, the platform is bigger. There's more attention put on the Swain event. I, I appreciate it. I'm very, very um, grateful. Um, I understand the responsibility. But if I'm not using my platform to add value in the lives of others, why well, have it? Why well, have it? And um, I've been able to make some suggestions to administration. I've been able to have a conversation with our administration and have a relationship with our administration um, to be able to do things like this and bridge the gap between our administration and our fans. And I think it's important as we as we move forward to try to bring this football program back. I've said on this program, it's going to take all of us. It's not just the players and the coaches. It's just not the, the boosters and the donors and the president and the AD and Chancellor's all of us, and um, I want to make sure that that Danny White knew who Spencer Barnett was, and now he knows. And so that was special to me. That was that was one of my favorite parts of the day. Probably my favorite part of the of the entire day. Um, I, I give credit to Ole Miss football team. They came into a hostile environment. <laughs> it came into a hostile environment. It was loud. Uh, I don't know how they were able to hear. Um, but they, but they, they play well enough to win. And, and uh, Matt Corral is is the real deal. He had a great game. He showed the world why he is a, a Heisman favorite. Um, you know, Tennessee intercepted him for the first time all year. Um, that was his first interception all year. Tennessee defense did a great job uh, of creating a turnover for Matt Corral. So, uh, Ben, let's get into this game right quick, and then um, well, I want to get to a break, and then we'll get to the phones, but. Um, football is, is such a cool game because like the smallest play, the smallest detail 
can make the biggest difference sometimes in a football game. Tennessee won the toss, elected to defer, get the ball in the second half, which put Ole Miss's offense on the field first. And uh, I was sitting um, right there around the 40-yard line, um, had, some, had some great seats, had a great view. And the, the gentleman I was sitting next to, I said, this is what you want because you, now you want to give your, your crowd a chance to set the tone and be loud. And that was the case. Multiple times it was third down, it was loud. Uh, unfortunately, they converted on, the, on a couple fourth downs, but we did get a stop and forced those guys to punt because they had a couple penalties. Ole Miss was the most penalized team in the country, so they did exactly what they've been doing all year long. Zebra doesn't change the stripes, just the location. And Ole Miss has been getting penalty yards at home. They've been getting penalty yards on the road. And they did the same thing in the first drive. Crowd's rocking, Ben. I mean rocking. And we talked about 2015 Oklahoma. And, and what made that game special, what made the atmosphere special, was the fact that we jumped on Oklahoma early. It was 17 to nothing. And the crowd, the crowd was was in it from start to to end. Well, Ole Miss converting those fourth downs a couple times. We had to sit on down, had to be quiet. Well, we finally get a stop, and they punt, and we muffed the punt. And we've been sure-handed there with Valus Jones all year long. But this ain't the Coliseum. <laughs> this this ain't playing against. Arizona. Valus did something that we didn't see him do here at Tennessee. He took his eyes off the ball and dropped it. He's been sure-handed all year long. But the, the weight of this game is just different. It's different playing in this conference. It's different playing in that type of atmosphere. Uh, I think the nerves got the best of him. He took his eyes off the football because that's an easy punt to catch. And he dropped it. And so he gave Ole Miss basically free touchdown, Ben. Free touchdown. Yep, and it made it hard for the crowd to really, really get into it as as quick as we wanted them to. But man, the next opportunity they had, they were in it, Ben. Yeah, and to to start the game, it was it, it was just giving Ole Miss nine lives essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the defense did a great job of of playing bend but don't break defense. And forcing a punt, and as as you said, Valus takes his eye off the football, and then it's muffed, and and Ole Miss has the ball inside the the ten fifteen yard line. I, I forget exactly which yard line it was, and which Ole Miss took over on, but they were primed with with great field position, and and you'll have to help me remember the details, Swain. But then Tennessee gave Ole Miss another life with a penalty. Down there, I, if I recall correctly, it was on holding third down, right? Um, yep, it was it was holding on on uh, on Trayvon Flowers, and it, and it yeah. was holding. It was the correct call, but mm-hmm. you, you force an incompletion. I, I don't I don't even remember the ball going to the guy that Trayvon Flowers <laughs> was covering e- either. It didn't. It uh, didn't. So so that made it even more frustrating. So. To me, that that was a, a sign for things to come when you look back on the game. Just missed opportunities because you had two early opportunities to 
A, not allow points on the board, and you force a punt, it's muffed. And then the defense bows its neck, does a great job, and then a holding call gives them another life, and they are able to punch it in. And so you've got three – instead of three points on the board for Ole Miss, you've got seven because of, of that holding penalty. And you, you look back, and that's a four-point swing, and you lost by four. Uh, you, you miss a field goal. And if you make that field goal, it's a two-point game at the end of the game. And instead of having to to try to heave it to the end zone at the end or having to score a touchdown at the end of the game, you could kick a field goal right there to win it. Uh, your offense got the ball three times in the second half with a chance to win the game. And the, the final time, it, it was... You, you, you didn't have enough time to, to get it to the end zone and, and needed a miracle. But the other two times, really, really poor possessions. Penalties, and I, I, did, I wasn't a big fan of, of, of the play calls. It seemed to be a, a little too uh, cautious, in, in my opinion. I don't know if, if that's something that Hendon was seeing on the field and, and he was checking Tennessee into something or uh, – not doing something in the running game to to make it look better than what it was, or or maybe it was just Josh Heupel being a little too conservative. I don't I don't know, but it didn't look right in my eyes. Obviously, I'm not a football expert, but it it didn't look right to to me. Uh, so a little conservative there, in my opinion, when you had a chance to take the lead against a, a bad defense, uh, and and you, you mixed in some penalties as well. So for me, Swain, it boils down to missed opportunities in that football game. And on the offensive side, just injuries piling up. I mean, that offensive line is just bruised and, and battered. I mean, you were essentially without three starters in that football game for nearly all of the football game, with, with Kingston Harris being out, with Cooper Mays being out, and with Cade Mays only playing three snaps before he went down, and of course he goes down and out for the game on a play that didn't even count. Just uh, of course, of course that happens to the Tennessee, uh, and and you were already without your starting tailback, and I, I thought that was a big reason why the running game struggled and the offensive line struggled to protect Hendon Hooker is because they are so thin up front. I thought it finally caught up to him. Yeah, I counted four opportunities for for Tennessee um, defense there. And, and, and listen, plays, you know, series, series like this happen, right? You know, you, you give up a touchdown the first drive or they you, you go down and score in the first, first drive. You know, that happens. And then you settle down, and, and that's what happened with Tennessee. Um, but – Coaches will be able to go to this, go to the film, and point out that guys, this these little small plays, you never know when they're going to come up and be the reason why you win or lose. But here they are. I mean, you had two fourth down um, opportunities to to get the ball. Uh, Ole Miss first drive, um, Valus had the muff punt, and then you had the penalty. Four opportunities, four opportunities to not give up a touchdown. But Tennessee did a good job of of weathering the storm, responding playing their butts off, and I'm not going to sit here and spend a lot of time on effort because I think we've, we, we've spent enough time on that early in the season because that's, that's an expectation now, okay? So we are 
It's October eighteenth. We have we have played what seven games. Yep. So I'm not gonna sit here and 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 spend too much time or effort. But they play hard. They play. They they left it on the line. They, you know, guts was all over that over that football field. They gave it all for Tennessee. But I think we are at the point of the season that um, it's what we should expect, and there's no reason to spend a whole hour um, on how hard they played. That's what they do now. I'm with you. And, and the defense played their 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 tails off. I, I mean, to, to come out in the second half, and, and I know that Matt Corral – was was still an issue running the football and kept the defense on the field longer than they should have been. But to corral that Ole Miss offense, see what I did there, uh, to mm-hmm. only seven points in the second half, my goodness, what a job by Tim Banks. And I, I, I think we need to start spending more time talking about the Tim Banks hire by Josh Heupel and how great Tim Banks is and how much potential he has. We need to transition from spending our time talking about the effort to talking about how good Tim Banks is because he is he, he so far, Swain, in my opinion, has been awesome. To, to only allow Ole Miss to score seven points in the second half and give your offense plenty of opportunities to go out and win that football game is – a minor miracle, in my opinion, especially when you take into consideration how many plays that defense was on the field in the first half. It was a ridiculous amount. 61 plays Tennessee's defense was on the field in the first half. Ole Miss ran 61 plays in the first half. Tennessee ran 31. Time of possession was 19 minutes and 40 seconds to 10 minutes in 20 seconds, and it was more even in the second half. Uh, Tennessee ran more plays, 48-40, to 40, and actually had the ball longer, 15-31 to 14-29. Um, Tennessee's offense just could not take advantage of, of the opportunities that that defense was presenting them with. I'm glad you brought that up because the reason why this defense was able to hold and play the way they played in the fourth quarter and second half is because they go up against the offense every single day that runs tempo just like Ole Miss. And uh, yesterday on the locker room, Byron Young was our guest, and I, you know, and we had a conversation about that. Every day of practice, or actually, uh, day before yesterday, so their practice on Sunday, they ran 100 plays. So they're used to seeing 100 plays every practice from the offense, uh, essentially. So they were prepared. They were prepared. Other defenses may not be able to withstand that amount of plays in the first half and still have a lot in the tank in the second half, but Tennessee did because that's what they have prepared for all season long because they go up against our offense. Um, now, you mentioned something about the play caller, <clears throat> and there was times in the game when I would lean over and be like, man, I sure like us to get out the pocket a little bit, throw out the pocket a little bit with Hendon, man. Let's roll this pocket because, um, you know, pass protection was, was certainly an issue. And there was there was one – play when Javante Spragans was out and Lampley, Jackson Lampley went in. On that next play, you had Antonio Pierce. What did I say? Antonio Pierce? No, it's not Antonio Pierce. It's Marcus Pierce. Antonio Pierce is, is the uh, former NFL player. 
But Marcus Pierce, walk-on. You had Dane Davis, former walk-on, at right tackle. You had Ollie Lane um, that hadn't played um, any up until this year. All in the same time on the offensive line. And Marcus Pierce running the football. Yeah, if if you had that on your bingo card, Swain, I mean, not, not to cut you off, I apologize, but I, I think we really need to hammer this point. But in the fourth quarter of that football game, you had Marcus Pierce running the football mm-hmm. behind Ali Lane, mm-hmm. Jackson Lampley, mm-hmm. and Dane Davis. Mm-hmm. If you had that on your bingo card before the season – you would have never in a million years imagined that Tennessee would, would be down a score in the fourth quarter against a top 15 Ole Miss football team with a chance to go win the football game. And, yep. and that is kind of why I said earlier that I thought the, the offensive line depth issues and injuries finally caught up to them. Yeah, it affected play calling, man. Yep. You know, I mean, your offensive line always affect play calling. So, cause, I, mean, I mean, you can you – can, Design up the perfect play down the football field for Javante Payton to fake the run with 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 Hendon Hooker like we saw last week against South Carolina, but it don't matter if you don't have time, and you got to have guys in there blocking and protecting to have time. So poor protection affects play calling, and you lost K. Mays in the course of a football game, so that affected play calling. So uh, I understand why play calling was different than what we've seen the last couple of weeks. Um, but that's you know that's 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 why, um, just crazy man. Both quarterbacks led their teams in, in rushing. Hendon um, had 23 attempts and Matt Corral had 30 attempts. He had 222 yards. Um, Hendon had 137. And w- watching that game, <clears throat> I, I was frustrated not because of plays we wasn't making here, you know, per se, even though I, I was a little frustrated about some of those plays. But my, my overall frustration was that there's literally nothing we can do in the middle of the season for some of the issues that we have. These are recruiting issues. These are getting to the transfer portal, getting to the high schools, getting more bodies in here. The depth showed its ugly head. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one time on special teams – that we counted five walk-ons walking out the, jogging off the football field. And last week we talked about how depth shows up the most in special teams. And for this team, the coaching staff, along with these players, like you just mentioned, to still have a chance to win, to be literally inches away from winning that football game, uh, because I think I think Cedric Tillman played – his heart out. He got injured. He came back. Um, but I expected Cedric Tillman to catch that. And I wonder if the footing was off a little bit. Yeah, it looked that, like which, it was. Looked which, awkward. Which, which didn't allow him to jump the way he wanted to. But, you know, you jump. That's an easy catch. That throw was perfect from um, from Joe Milton. Mm-hmm. Um, that that That's a catch. And I know that Tillman's going to see that on film. And uh, he's probably going to be kicking himself. But we've seen him make acrobatic catches, we've seen him make tough catches. That was an easy catch for for um um from Tillman there, but man, he laid it on the line. Uh he didn't have left much left in the tank. 
Um, but we were inches away from, from winning the football game after all of that happened against us uh, in the football game. So uh, let's take our first break. Let me, let me ask you one thing real quick. Did, did, were, were you okay with the adjustments uh, that, that were attempted to be made against Matt Corral's ability to, to run the football? Uh, did, 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 you, did that frustrate you at any point? Did you think that Tennessee wasn't making adjustments? Because that, that has been a, a, a voice of concern, something that, that fans have, have pointed out that they feel like there is a lack of adjustment. But I, I, I didn't see a lack of adjustment. I, I saw a lack of, of plays being made. I, I saw Tennessee trying to spy Matt Corral, but Ole Miss leak out a lineman, and that lineman get their hands on whichever linebacker was spying, and then said linebacker just could not get off the block and go make a play. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, I'll, uh, we'll take a break, and I'll hit that on the other side. Okay. Um, we had a couple people mention that after We Brian had a conversation. Actually, it's funny. We had a conversation about that during the game with the guys I was sitting next to. So, um, you know, I was I was kind of talking them through through the game and what, what I'm looking at, what to look for, and the game is played within the game. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll cover that. We'll take our first break of the day. Live here at Betty Chevrolet, Parkside Drive, over 150 vehicles in stock, lifetime warranty on most new and pre-owned vehicles. BettyChevrolet.com, home of the warranty for life. Be right back. If you want to get in on the conversation, call the Iris Network's hotline at 865-200-5503. Grow your business with Iris Network's high-speed fiber internet. irisnetworksusa.com Hi there, Swain Event family. Are you in the market to purchase a home and a bit freaked out with the market right now? As someone who's been in your spot before, I'm familiar with what's going through your brain. And as a realtor, I've mastered the ins and outs of the buying process. When you work with me, you'll benefit from my experience, and together we'll work toward making sound, smart decisions for your future. And of course, talk a little Vol Sports along the way. Just give me a call, Jennifer Morris, Keller Williams Realty, 865-257-7897, or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon. When you start your own business, you know that branding can make or break a new venture. That's why Swain Event relies on 42nd Street. 42nd Street is a strategy agency focused on finding creative, open-minded, results-driven solutions to brand design. After over a decade of operations in East Tennessee, the brand architects at 42nd Street have the experience and creative know-how to ensure the success of your business branding, logo, web presence, and more. To see a real-life example of their amazing work, you can check out our website at SwainEvent.com. Don't trust the branding of your business to just anyone. Check out my friends at 42nd Street online at 42st.com or give them a call at 865-382-7007. 42nd Street, brand, strategy, design. JC's Tree and Landscaping Service specializes in quality tree work done at an affordable price. Trimming and removing trees are their specialty. They also offer other services like land clearing, stump grinding, crane services, and all of your basic landscaping needs for both commercial and residential. JC's will give you a free estimate and beat any written quote by a competitor to guarantee that you get the lowest price around. Don't risk your land with a fly-by-night service. JC's Tree and Landscaping is licensed and insured. 
Give them a call at 865-599-3799. Top 100 Barbecue Restaurant Dead End Barbecue is a no-brainer when you are craving the smoky flavor of quality Q. Dead End makes it easy to enjoy their fantastic menu with online ordering from Chow Now for pickup. Or if you don't feel like leaving the house, then have Dead End Barbecue delivered right to your door by Loco Knoxville or Bite Squad. Cheer on your favorite team with the best barbecue around. Check them out online at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. When I made the move to my own studio, I was worried about this. I was worried about that. I was worried about, hey, did I get this piece of equipment? Did I get that piece of equipment? Does that sound good? Does that not sound good? One thing I didn't have to worry about, that was office furniture. Because office furniture outfitters met my furniture needs. With a 50,000 square foot facility, they have East Tennessee's largest selection and are the best value for new and used office furniture. Located in Knoxville, it's easy to find everything you need for your new space, including desks, file cabinets, chairs, conference tables, and more. Office Furniture Outfitters is turnkey. They came to my place, we mapped everything out that was needed, they delivered, and get this, set everything up. To learn more about what Office Furniture Outfitters can do for you, log on to OFONOX.com. That's OFONOX.com. If you're coming to Knoxville and need a place to stay, do yourself a favor and book a room at Hampton Inn Paper Mill also known as the Hampton on the Hill. This award-winning property is literally in the top 5% of all Hampton Inn properties. The GM, Stephen Lawrence, is a good old local boy who grew up in the business around Knoxville. He and his staff are always available, always willing to help, and will go above and beyond for their guests. The newest Hampton Inn in Knoxville has clean, affordable rooms, flat screens, fridges, and microwaves in every room. Plus, breakfast is included in every rate. Not to mention, there's also a pool and fitness center on site. If it wasn't so close to amazing restaurants, bars, and shopping, you would never want to leave. At only six miles from campus, you're still right in where the big orange action is. Go to HamptonInn.com, search Knoxville, and book your room at the Hampton Inn Paper Mill. Or call 865-693-5400. We're here with Dr. Michael Carlson of Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine to discuss PRP, platelet-rich plasma. If you have orthopedic injuries such as shoulder pain, knee pain, Achilles tendonitis, or tennis elbow, you should give them a call. Good to be back, Jason. We specialize in non-surgical orthopedics, so we treat damaged tendons, ligaments, and joints, including rotator cuff injuries, knee injuries, and elbow and foot problems by using ultrasound-guided injections with PRP. And this form of treatment helps stimulate the body's own reparative process and assist in the healing of damaged tissue. Doc, what makes your training different than others? I've been practicing in Knoxville for over 26 years, and I'm certified in interventional regenerative orthopedic medicine through the American Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. They've been the leader in this form of treatment since 1983. I also teach this form of treatment on a national and international basis to other physicians, residents, and medical students. Here in our clinic, I'm the one doing the procedure, and we're using your own PRP, which are concentrated platelets, to treat your injury. So in other words, Jason, it comes from you and it goes back to you, so you know exactly what you're getting and know exactly the level of training involved. Do what the pros, college athletes, and I have done, and visit them online at trsportsmedicine.com. Tennessee Regenerative Sports Medicine, East Tennessee's leader in PRP therapy. 
At Iris Networks, we know that business communication solutions are critical to your success. Since 1998, we've been helping businesses in East Tennessee by providing reliable and affordable high-speed fiber internet and voice solutions. That's why Iris Networks is your Tennessee communications partner. With internet speeds up to 100 gigs and work-from-anywhere solutions like mobile apps, video conferencing, and file sharing, we make sure you can stay connected to your customers and great communities we live and work in. Iris Networks, because just like you, Tennessee is our home. For a replay of each day's Swain Event TV, like us on Facebook. Swain Event, SwainEvent.com, fueled by Dead End Barbecue. Top 100 barbecue restaurant in America, live here at Beatty Chevrolet Parkside Drive. Baby will trade for anything. So you have a car, you have a boat, a motorcycle, they will trade for it, or they will just buy it flat out from you. Never pay over MSRP for new vehicles here at Beatty. Uh, ben, before the break, you asked a question about um, the adjustments that were or were not made against Matt Corral run, running the football. Now, um, some of those runs were you know, passing plays that he, he scrambled and he's just a player making a play. He had a Johnny Manziel type of performance uh, running the football. Now, he didn't do all the running backwards and making guys miss sideline to sideline, but running the football, he he had a Johnny Manziel type of performance. And so um, when you're looking at the game and you see an offense and three, four wide receivers, I I want you to take your eyes and look, especially if you're at the game, you can see this at the game, but look at... The box. What I mean by the box, that is from tackle to tackle, an offensive line, and about five to seven yards uh, from the line of scrimmage to the defensive side, uh, on the defensive side of the football. And look at the number of defenders that are in that box. And that should tell you, okay, do you run it here or do you pass it? Do you have the numbers? Teams want to spread defenses out. And this is what we do. We do the same thing. I mean, Tennessee and Ole Miss do a lot of the same things. So the read is if there's not a lot of guys in the box, then quarterback, running back, you go get busy. If there's a lot of guys in a box, more than you can block, that means they don't have enough blockers. Defense doesn't have enough blockers to account for a quick screen to the wide receivers. Again, this is what we do. We throw out quick to Cedric Tillman. We throw it out quick to other receivers because the numbers say that they don't have enough on the perimeter to block. And so I thought we did a good job when it came to that. But in the open field, he's a good player. And the way you fix this, Mainly is recruiting, to be honest. Uh, you want to collapse, collapse the pocket. You want to make sure that Matt Corral doesn't have those those easy north-south running game uh, running lanes. Uh, you want to force him to go wide so that way pursue can can take hold. Uh, but that's really the only negative, huge negative I see in that football game is how on defense is how we were um, 
allow Matt Corral to run the football. He shouldn't have 200-something yards. I think adjustments was made, but he's just a good player, and they put you in a they put you such in a they put you in a really bad position because of their spacing, because of their philosophy, because of their tempo, and they have the players to execute it. Even though number zero from Ole Miss had a tough day, dropped two touchdown passes, had another drop, had a holding. Um, I mean, he was he had a rough day. He had a rough day. Their their passing offense had a rough day in general, especially yeah, those too guys many drops. That you just signaled yeah. out. And I know they, yeah, they were had a lot of drops. Little banged up. They were already without Mingo going into the game because of his broken foot. And then uh, I believe it was Braylon Sanders. He left the game around late in the late in the first half and, and didn't return. But Matt Matt Corral looked off throwing the football. But boy, was he on throwing the? I mean, uh, running the football. I mean, I, 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 I didn't think he was off. I thought the receivers dropped at least five, five, minimum five passes in that football game. Two, two for touchdowns. Um, I, I mean, I thought he was. I thought he was pretty, pretty good. Um, there are a couple the throws part. that he he missed on. I mean, the, the I I agree with you. I thought yeah. the receivers did not help him far more than than he played poorly. But I don't know. I guess I. Just, <laughs> Because Matt Corral's so good, I guess I unfairly expect perfection on on every play. And I mean, there were three or four balls where he overthrew it, or the ball didn't get there, and behind yeah, the happens. receiver. There, there are a couple of throws like that that I I was surprised. I know he's not going to play perfect football, but I, I wasn't expecting more than one or two of those type of throws. And, and and there were a couple on top of the drops. Yeah, no, I the receivers didn't play well, but <clears throat> I am. Um, you know, watching the game, I had to ask myself, okay, is this is this recruiting or is this coaching? Is this recruiting or is it coaching? Is it recruiting or is it not making adjustments? And, you know, majority of the plays that we did make, I looked at uh, as recruiting needs to be addressed. And that can be in a transfer portal. That can be, um, you know, high school players. But, you, you know, you got to get – you got to get better in in some areas, um, for sure. And I think, you know, if you are better, Matt Corral doesn't have two hundred something yards. But uh, I thought adjustments was was made, but it's a valid question for sure. Um, okay. So phone lines are open eight six five two hundred fifty five oh three. Let's get to Glenn. And then we have Coy and Macon, and um, let's have a conversation. Let's do it, right? We always we always um, open the lines and we have tough conversations. We're gonna have one today. It won't be the first, won't be the last. We're used to it. So let's do it. Glenn, good morning. We got Glenn? Glenn, you there? You, you there, Glenn? Oh, Glenn. Are you there, guys? There he is. Hey, there you go. There Glenn, good morning. I, I forgot to have you on mute, so I apologize. I hope you guys are doing well this Monday morning. You too. Uh, man, what an electric atmosphere. Gosh. Uh, we were watching, you know, at home, and, man, that was just incredible seeing that. You know, I'm glad uh, the SC Network at least did something right, showing them running out of the tee. I thought that was just an incredible, incredible atmosphere there. Um, and it's just electric all night. You know, everything's going to be – you guys have nailed everything from a playing standpoint. I, I think what's exciting, and we've talked about this week in and week out, is just I, – I want to say the calmness of the coaches, but just how this team plays even when someone goes down. Now, look, we, you know, we don't know the – the extent of the injuries on Hooker or Cade Mays, and that definitely could be an issue going forward. But I've not seen a team put everything on the line like they did the other night in a very, very long time. 
Uh, they had a lot mm-hmm. of things going against them. I mean, they could have they could have uh, melded in after all that crap that happened before the final fifty four seconds was played, and they didn't. And listen, if Joe Milton, your your guy, you got to sit that cat down and talk to him about situational football. I mean, I I, I was absolutely flabbergasted that the dude just ran the ball in the last three seconds of the game. I I, I don't want to knock him too much. He's a kid. He's a good he, he's a good teammate. You know he. Gosh, what are you doing? I mean, <laughs> that was just frustrating. And I mean, you had to have known that, right? I mean, I mean, how do you not know that? So, hey, look, you know, going going into this week is going to be. And I'd love to get your opinion on this, Wayne. I, you know, what do you do this week with with? Let's say Hooker is is, is good. Let's say they say. Yes, he can play. Do you rest him, knowing that you know Kentucky is still somewhat of a winnable game? Georgia's not, but the rest yeah. of it is. Do you do you rest him? Do you, do you you know do you get Joe Milton some rest? I don't know. It's kind of thrown into to, to the line, no matter who you put out there. But last point, now I'll hang up and let other callers call. I know you got a lot of calls. The SEC officiating has got to improve. We have the SEC makes so much money. Why not hire some full time guys who can actually do worth a crap? I mean, I don't want to blame you know the refs for, for the loss because Tennessee had plenty of opportunities, but they had a rough night all night long from spotting the ball, from you know the safety. They actually had to have a conversation about that. That was an easy, that was an easy call. Easy, easy call. It, either call it was a, either it was a safety or intentional grounding, which yeah. means it's a safety. <laughs> like which it's, means, it's a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. it was an easy call to make, and, um, and yeah. Go ahead, Glenn. Well, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm sorry, Jason. Uh, but anyway, guys, look. You know that fumble thing was. There's no doubt that was a fumble. I don't care what anybody says. And and you know, SEC Network really never talked about it. But my gosh, that was players clear. If, if the refs are running, all of them. Yeah, you know, there have been times where you've seen maybe one ref run. You know, the other. No ref on that field. Blew that, blew that dead. Every, from what I understand, from my, no ref, all of them are running with the play. How in the world do you come back and, and blow that dead? Because what I think it was the Statue of Liberty play. What would have happened if Matt Corral would have completed a pass? Would they have called it back then? Nope. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. But because he fumbled and it was scooped and scored, and I think Lane Kiffin had a, had a hand in that too, talking to that ref on the side. I think he might have had a hand in. Anyway, gentlemen, have a blessed Monday. Have a great week, and go balls. Thank you, Glenn. Let me address um, your call. That was that was the worst call I've ever seen from a referee, and I went back and watched it probably ten times, being that that play, and Matt Corral tried to make it seem like that he didn't have the ball, and maybe he was getting ready to throw it deep. That's part of some, maybe some little trickery, or he couldn't hear. But I'm sorry, this is football. This is part of playing in the SEC. You can't just because you can't hear doesn't mean that you are allowed to snap the football and stop and stop. He was he was barely contacted for a whole second before the ball came out. Whistle wasn't blown. It wasn't dead. That was a fumble, and it was a scoop and score. And the fact they got that wrong is what led to what we saw at the end of the game. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. But 
over the course of that football game, you had bad officiating. I mean, spots. How do you how do you see where uh, the ball is if you are twenty yards away behind the play? How do you see that? How do you, you see that? How do you make? How do you miss all these calls? And Glenn hit the nail on the head. Um, SEC is the best conference. There's billions of dollars that are flowing that's flowing through the SEC. Billions. It's time to fix officiating because we all see it. It ain't just Tennessee fans. We all see it. It's atrocious. It's poor. And is officiating not up to standard across the country? Yeah. But when you are the SEC and you are the best, you don't have the same standards as everyone else in the country. You have higher standards. Which means your officiating should be better than anybody else's in the country. It's time. To hold these referees accountable. It's time to look at officiating and fix these problems. Because if the problems with the officiating doesn't doesn't get addressed and they're not fixed, you're gonna have another situation, maybe in another stadium, where the fans are gonna lose it and throw stuff on the field. It's going to happen again. Oh, you if mean we like get the, the same South Carolina Florida game? Yeah. Yeah. A couple years yeah. back. I mean, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. Uh, so I'm with you, Glenn. Some 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 poor fish ain't there. And then, you know, Joe Milton's lack of awareness in that situation, I expect that from a true freshman. I don't expect that from someone that's played as many as many years as Joe Milton. Um my jaw hit the ground. I'm still in shock. I don't I don't I don't know how you do that. <sighs> I mean I, that was I, that was bad. I mean it, it I Swain, it took me like an hour to an hour and a half after the game to even realize that he ran out of bounds. I was so focused on the fact that, that he didn't heave it up. To, to the end zone on that final play, and part of it was I was on the field on the opposite side of the end zone, and I, I didn't really see the end of the play all that all that well. But I was so caught up on the fact that he didn't throw it to the end zone that it, it completely slipped my mind that the dude is built like a truck, biggest dude on the field at six foot five, two forty, whatever he is, and he ran. Not only did he run, but he ran out of bounds. What in the actual? You know what? You're the biggest dude on the field, and you're running out of bounds <laughs> on, on fourth down after you already didn't heave it to the end zone? That That's up there for one of the stupidest plays I've ever seen in the history of football. Yeah, J- Josh Heupel's going to have um, – <clears throat> this is going to be a tough situation for Josh Heupel because, mm-hmm. you know, you're a teammate, you're looking, at, you're looking at that, and not only, you know, was it an uh, absent-minded play, but you ran out of bounds. And it's one thing to say, okay, well, I, I think I could have made it. And you, you know, you trying to bulldoze guys over. And, right. I mean, you, you're, you know, you, you're taking hits from left and right and you're clawing and scratching to get to the end zone. There was none of that. It was a skip to the sidelines and going out of bounds after, at the end of the game. After, after Hendon Hooker. Throw. 
just gave his all for Tennessee and may have suffered a serious injury. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just yeah. watch the guy in front of you give his all for his teammates and go That's down bad. with a potential serious injury, and, and, and you go out there and you skip out of bounds like you just said perfectly, Swain. I mean, it, yeah. it's ridiculous. And his teammates were pissed because, like I said, I, I was on the field. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. Carvin had some words for him. He was pissed. And, he was and, pissed. And they were walking together, and Carvin was kind of looking at him and, and had some words for him, and he kind of stormed off to the side. Cedric Tillman was, was extremely pissed off. And, I would and, be. And I tell you, Swain, I'd, I'd have a hard time starting him this weekend against Alabama. If, yep. if, if Hendon can't go, I would have a yep. hard time starting Joe Milton. I mean, it's worse than the JG play for me. At least JG was trying to score. Yep. yep. Yeah, that's I know, how, man. That's, that's tough. how this, bad it was. I, I wanted, it's tough. I wanted to add that the, the fumble was literally the difference in the game. I know Tennessee had plenty of opportunities. It, it wasn't all, all the rest. But when you look back on it because of the final score, that, that fumble that – did not count for a touchdown was literally the difference in the game. And I I understand why the play wasn't reviewed because it was deemed forward progress and and you can't review forward progress. But why was forward progress granted in that situation? There was no forward progress. Forward progress is when the ball carrier is being held up for several moments and, and 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 nothing's happening. That was not the the case. The the fumble no. happened nearly immediately after a little bit of contact, and then the ball was picked up. And as Glenn pointed out, all of the refs took off for the end zone. And I'm sorry, but if if all the refs on the field are taking off for the end zone, then there was no pretend whistle blown. There was no forward progress because if there were if there was forward progress granted then a referee would all four referees would not have take taken off for the end zone somebody would have stepped in and, and blown the play dead so they wouldn't like, pay attention I, man yeah. that's, that's what it was they wouldn't they wouldn't pay attention because the ref i didn't see any bags thrown because usually when there's a fumble ref throws a bag to to uh to signal a fumble he didn't do that they they were caught off guard just like matt corral was caught off guard uh, because of the crowd. So let me get to the phones. Let's get to uh, Coy, who's been waiting patiently. Uh, if Coy's still there, let's get him in here. Uh, Coy dropped off. So uh, let, let's it. get to Turkey Man, and then we'll we'll hit a top-of-the-hour break real quick and get back to Sorry the Sorry about that, Coy. Dang it. That was good to meet Coy this weekend, too, by the way. Uh, Turkey Man, good morning. Good morning, guys. Again, thanks, Wayne. I, I, I had a, a ball, my, uh, my, my step, uh, on my stepson, my son-in-law, Cable's husband, uh, he uh, he says that he's a, uh, a Texas Longhorn fan, but I think he got his eyes opened big time because uh, he had him a ball. Good. Uh, I mean, really did. I I just uh, uh, I got excited time or two. I was giving high fives to everybody. And there was a there was a brother there. He had his two him and his wife. His two little little girls. They were cute. They'd be. He had one of them on his shoulders. I turned around, I gave him high fives, and I seen a hand, and I went like that, and I high fived that guy right in the forehead. He just laughed, and I, I mean, I got excited. Of course, you know, I'm vertically challenged anyhow, but uh, I did. I, 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 I palmed him right in the forehead. But uh, just all of all of that that was there was just amazing. And 
I'm not going to get too much in the game today because a lot of people want to do as far as the game itself goes. But I'm going to say this. If somebody comes in your house and starts stealing from you, you will get mad. And that's what I felt like was happening with the with poor play calling from the umpires. The official was awful, brother. And that was a scooping score. And from what I was seeing, this is how it read the, the uh, growl, or how you say his name, number two, for Ole Miss, which is good. It looked like a trick play that Lane had called, and he's supposed to act as if he didn't have the ball. It was kind of like a statue of liberty, what it looked like to me, and it broke down. And it got muffed. It was scooped and scored. And the other, and the other thing is, is, is the spots and spotting. I, I, I watched twice now, and I stayed up and watched that game and, and run back on. We got not only us spots, but we, they got favorable spots. And you can, all you have to do is go through and look at it. Oh, you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. And, uh, I just, uh, I, I, I don't want to take angry tonight, today, of everything that happened because I had such an awesome time. But, uh, I'm just leaving this. Somebody goes in my house and starts trying to steal stuff. I'm going to get angry. And a lot of that took place to come about because of that. Yeah. Now you listen, Turkey Man. There was and thanks for the phone call. There was there's a build up, uh, and and we still haven't dove into it yet. Three hour show. Um, didn't want to start the show and with that and that dominate the show and then just lose sight of all the other great observations to point out, uh, including the atmosphere and actual game in itself so uh, we'll still we'll get to that for sure we're going back to the phones we'll take our top of the hour break here in the swain event live here from betty chevrolet parkside drive stay with us